Each product or service would maybe be a little bit different, but the real goal is to create an environment because every buying decision, as much as people may think it has to make sense logically, still every buying decision is an emotional decision. Totally. Okay, now it needs to be backed by logic, like to prevent buyer's remorse or just regret, but it's still, we have to get them emotionally involved and really understand it and anchor that situation of why this was a good decision that supports then the logical idea after the fact. What's going on, guys? This is the Passive Wealth Strategy Show, the show that will help you escape the Wall Street casino and build wealth on Main Street by investing in real estate. Today, our guest is Riley Meek, and today we're digging into more entrepreneurship and business building and sales, and we're learning about the social dynamic selling system that Riley created and that he teaches others how to use, how to build their businesses. The reality is that everybody is in sales. Whether you're an entrepreneur or an employee or somewhere in between, you are in sales. You're in sales in your business life and you're in sales in your personal life. And we're digging into the principles and knowledge that went into building the social dynamic selling system. So we talk about the principles and then the actual process of the social dynamic selling system and a lot more in there. It's a very detailed system. You may have seen some of these things out there if you're involved in sales. And there are a lot of great lessons in this one. We dig into the underlying reasons why people move forward with things, why they buy things, why they take action. Again, whether it's personal life, business, whether you're an employee or an entrepreneur, these things are out there because at the end of the day, no matter what, we're always dealing with people. And we're digging into a lot of those lessons today around what motivates people to take action, particularly in the realm of business. But again, these things underlie basically all human decision-making. So very interesting stuff. Really appreciate Riley coming on the show. I'm your host, Taylor Lote. I'm a real estate investor, and I help busy people passively invest in commercial real estate, specifically in apartment building and self-storage syndications. If you're interested in learning more and would like to know more about potentially investing with us on a future deal, just go to investwithtaylor.com, fill out the form, schedule a call with me, and I'll look forward to speaking with you then. If you're an Apple Podcast user and you enjoy the show, please take a moment and leave us a rating and review on Apple Podcast. Five stars if you don't mind, you guys. I appreciate that so, so much. That helps other people learn about the show because that helps us rank higher in the Apple Podcast ecosystem. People see your reviews. They think, hey, this person learned something from this show. Maybe I can learn something too. And you know what? I see your reviews. I see that you're learning from the show. I see that you're engaging with the content. And that gives me a nice little warm and fuzzy feeling every time because I get to see that you're escaping the Wall Street casino along with us and building wealth on Main Street. That's what it's all about here. That's what we do. No matter what podcast app you use, if you haven't done so yet, don't forget to subscribe. Look us up on whatever your favorite podcast app is and catch us here every Monday, Tuesday, and Thursday. Right now, our guest is Riley Meek. Once again, we're going over the social dynamic selling system and more underlying reasons around why people make the decisions that we make and things that we need to bear in mind, whether we're entrepreneurs, business owners, employees, no matter what, doesn't matter. We're all in sales. So without any further ado, here we go with Riley Meek. Riley, thank you for joining us today. Hey, Taylor, happy to be here, man. I'm happy to have you, and I'm excited to learn about the social dynamic selling system. But before we dig into that, could you tell our listeners a bit about yourself, your background, and a few of your accomplishments, which are very impressive, by the way? Oh, well, thank you. Yeah. So, man, I live in Minneapolis, Minnesota right now. It's <laughs> nice and cold here. 
but I actually grew up in South Dakota and I grew up in a town of like 900 people. And so I think there's that many people on my block here in Minnesota. So South Dakota is a great place to be from, just not a whole lot going on there. And so literally the day I graduated high school, man, I found myself in a car on my way up to the Twin Cities area and really just started my entrepreneurship journey. My original attempt was to go to school and become a chiropractor actually. But as I was going through that process, I started to make a decent amount of money within the sales and marketing world, just doing my own thing. And I thought, well, why the heck would I go you know, six figures into debt and then try to build a business from there? Because that's essentially what a chiropractor has to do. So I just continued along that path. And I've sold all sorts of things from siding and windows to you know, business valuations to just solar all over the spectrum. And as much as I loved the idea from a income producing standpoint, you know, as an independent contractor, as a sales rep, they always tell you like, you earn what you're worth, right? They say, uh, your earning is uncapped. And as much as I wanted to really believe that I never fully bought into it because I knew there was only a certain amount of time in the day right? Like I was physically having to do presentations one-on-one and I knew by, depending upon what I was selling, it could be a two, three, four hours with a client to ultimately close the deal and make my commission. And you can only do certain, so many of those in a day. And so that's where I just, I never really bought into that fact. And it was really back in 2011 that I was introduced to just kind of a new concept of selling, one that I hadn't ever really thought of before, but it rocked me. Like it blew my mind and it was really selling one too many, you know, seminar sales. And I thought, holy cats, like I was invited to a presentation in which a dude delivered a, you know, a 45 minute presentation. He fed people dinner. And at the end of it, he asked for an appointment. And he, then he only met with those that actually cared enough to figure out what the price was of what he was actually selling. And, and I thought, holy cow, if this guy could do that, I'm going to get rich doing this thing. <laughs> and that was my kind of first introduction to what we now, what we call our the social dynamic selling system. I started my first company in that kind of manner in 2011. Within the first six months, did you know? Literally, I had 673 bucks in my bank account at this time, so it was kind of one of the lo- the lowest points in my life. But I had a burning desire for more. I knew there there had to be something else out there, and and I saw this system, and that's really what struck me was like this. It was a sales and marketing system. The product was irrelevant, and in the first six months, man, we did two little over two million in sales. And then from there, the next year, we did 12 million, another 12 million, and it, it just continued to grow from there. And so, man, over the last decade, we've, I've, I've started eight different companies. Every single one of those has hit seven. A couple, we've hit eight figures within the very first year of each, doing nine figures in sales amongst our companies, which then really was just like, okay, I don't, it, I don't have to own the companies. I can actually teach people the selling system. And that's where now I, my main focus is on the consulting and coaching side of things. So that's social dynamic selling system, man. And that's what we've been focusing on over the last decade. Awesome. I love it. And you know, I want to encourage the listeners out there who maybe haven't gotten over the concept of selling to just move past that. We're all selling something. That's how life works. If you're an employee, you're selling your labor to your employer, or if you're somebody who's out there literally selling a product or service, then you know, you're in sales. We're all in sales. Doesn't matter what you do. And you know, many of us, myself included, we've been to these seminars or conferences that you know, ultimately you know, turn into pitches. And my, my general feeling is when you're watching a talk like that, where there's obviously a sales pitch coming, 
I wonder how productive could it be? Like, and how do you strike that balance between you know, getting your point across, generating interest, but also not seeming, you know, scummy, if you will, if you'll pardon yes. the expression. Yes. Absolutely, man. Yeah. Because first off, I want to hit a point on what you said on we're all in sales, dude, like a hundred percent. And man, I just think of it. Most people think sales is that kind of dirty, kind of icky feeling and a lot of, you know, negative connotations in regards to that. So I totally get it. But if you get back to the root word of of sales, it's actually a a Norwegian word, which was selje, S-E-L-J-E. And it actually means to serve. So if you go back to the original context of what it means, and if you can approach it in that manner, it completely changes the dynamic of that engagement. And part of why I called our company the social dynamic selling system is that there's a social dynamic that's taking place. Even even right now between you and I via Zoom, right? there's a social dynamic taking place. But when you get a group of people together in a room, there's a social dynamic. Or think about when you go out to a bar or restaurant, like there's a a social dynamic of the people across the room from you, that there's your server, there's the hostess, there's the bartender and everybody, there's a dynamic that takes place. And what we've been able to do is, is use that in a manner for, you know, in our favor of, of how to control a room and, and take people on an emotional journey to ultimately not create that feeling of you're being sold something because nobody wants to be sold right? Nobody does, but Mm -hmm. everybody wants to buy. So what we have to do is just create an environment where the natural progression of our discussion and conversation is that they want it. You know, it's like you you can lead a horse to water, but you can't make a drink, but you could certainly put salt in its oats and suddenly the horse wants to drink. And so that's really what we teach, obviously, dependent upon the product or the service that you're looking to sell is how to create that emotional kind of journey that people go on, where just naturally the, the natural progression of it is they want it. And for those that show up that don't want it, because you're, you're always going to get people like that, at least you know that they don't want it, or you, you can't serve them in any manner that's going to be helpful because you, know, you can't serve everybody, especially when you're hosting groups, groups of that sort. But with the goal of it is that you're just sifting the sand. Like you're just, you, you're looking to leverage your time, money, your energy, your resources for the right people in the room to your best of your ability. So you can present to them, assuming you do a good enough job, you've gained the know, like, and trust. Cause that's really, truly what this is all about is do they, do they got to get to know you? Did they like you? You know, are you dynamic of enough person to get them to ultimately trust you? And one of the things that, that we do not really coach or do is to sell really live right there at the event. Like our our model is not rah, 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 rush to the back of the room and buy your real estate course or whatever that model is. It's more of a certainly a high ticket sales where we're gaining that know, like, and trust. And then ultimately, have I gained that ability to schedule a one-on-one appointment, a follow-up kind of consultation, but still creating that sense of urgency to do so that evening or the very next day, where then we can talk about, you know, a, a truly like, what is it that you need? And are we a good fit to actually work with each other? So very non, non-pressure non type approach, but it is more of a, I want to create that environment where it's a win-win for everybody. Great. Okay. So you mentioned the the emotional journey, and I want to dig into that a little bit and, and really the ideas behind it, because my mind first, when you say emotional journey and no like, and trust are like and trust are certainly uh, emotions in a way. No is maybe a little more factual, but 
overall, when you say emotional journey, I think about maybe the plot of a movie, right? Because there's, you know, the climax, or the, the build up and the climax, and then the fall off of the plot, you know, and I suppose you could say they're kind of selling you on coming and seeing the sequel, you know, depending on if you want to look at it that way. But in the context of the social dynamic selling methodology, what does the, say, emotional plot a presentation or however you want to put it kind of look if we're thinking about it in those terms. You bet. Yeah. So I would say, again, each product or service would maybe be a little bit different, but the real goal is to create an environment because every buying decision, as much as people may think it has to make sense logically, still every buying decision is an emotional decision. Okay. Now it needs to be backed by logic, like to prevent buyer's remorse or just regret, but it's still, we have to get them emotionally involved and really understand it and anchor that situation of why this was a good decision that supports then the logical idea after the fact. So how we do that is certainly, I mean, it's, it's sales 101. It's like, sell the the sizzle, not the steak, right? Mm -hmm. Like what are the features of this, or excuse me, what are the benefits of this, not just the features? And so obviously if we host events for real estate syndicates, like we're accreditors that, you know, are maybe are, have a net worth of, you know, seven figure net worth, or they have income producing assets of $400,000 plus or whatever that case is that qualifies them to, f- to fill that room. Perfect. We're going to fill that room with those type of people through our marketing. And then the goal of it realistically for those people is to, they're not there just to make a return on an investment. It's more of like, what does that do for them? Creating that passive t- type of uh, income stream that that's going to serve them in that manner. What's it going to do for their family? What, you know, a lot of our, the, the, rooms or any events that we've done, it's like we're targeting lawyers, doctors, that they make a great living, but they're not satisfied with just being a doctor. They're not satisfied with just like their job. They want to be a part of something bigger than themselves, even though they don't have the time to devote as much as they they want to like be a realtor or actually go find properties. They just want to be a part of it. And so what can that do to fulfill the lifestyle and goals, vision, mission, whatever it is that they have, that's going to fill their need? Uh, you know, feel that that actual purpose of what they're getting out of it. So I want to talk about those things and those benefits versus you're going to get a 12% annual return. You know, th- those are great, but what is it going to do for them? And that's really what we mean by taking them on that emotional journey, putting them in that place where they're going to actually, you know, feel it, see it, like sense that feeling of what it's going to be like when they've They've you know held the property for seven years and now they've got a, a, an incredible return and then they get to choose to put it into another property. Like those are the type of things that we'll talk about, obviously through examples, testimonials, you know, maybe having guest speakers that share their experience of working with us. Just so it's by the end of it, it's like, yeah, this makes sense. I want to do business with these guys. Okay. So really kind of relating to them, also knowing their goals and priorities that are deeper than just say numbers is what is it going to do for them in their lives? Whether it's a real estate investment or whatever you're selling doesn't really matter. You just want to understand what their overall goal is and the emotions tied to accomplishing that goal. And then also you mentioned testimonials, guest speakers, and things like that can help the speaker relate to the viewing audience. Absolutely, man. And one of the things too, that's unique from a group setting versus just one-on-one, because when you're sitting one-on-one with somebody, it's, you can start to draw information out of them and you can start to learn 
how they speak or ultimately how they they learn. And what I mean by that is in the you know the sales world or the NLP world, there's a model in which is called the VAK, so visual, auditory, or kinesthetic. So if I'm you know having a conversation with somebody, I can usually tell how they receive information best or the type of learner that they are just by the, the words that they use. So if I start to ask people questions and they start to to say things like, I just don't see what you're saying. I know the person is probably more a, a visual type person, hence the word see, or I could start to, if they're touchy feely, they're probably more of a kinesthetic person. So when you don't have that ability to a group, mainly because you don't have time and also you got 30 people in a room, so you have a mixture of everybody, it's important to sprinkle all of those in throughout the entire message so everybody feels like they've been essentially spoken to. There's been a connection with each one of them. And so those are the type of things that that we coach and, and teach on just to make sure that we've had that touch, we'll call it, with each person throughout the room. So we're gaining that know, like, and trust, not just with one or two people in the group that we've built rapport with greatly, but now it's a massive approach where that increases the actual appointment rate moving into the next stage of the actual event where we can meet with them one-on-one and then see if, if again, your product or your service is actually a good fit for them. So those are just some of that more of the consulting side or the really the coaching side and how we would help people craft their presentation and deliver their overall sales process from beginning to end. Because there's got to be continuity throughout the entire process from the marketing message to when they show up at the actual event, to asking for the appointment, to who they're even meeting with at the end of the event, and then all you know, obviously fulfillment. So that's what prevents you know any any sort of buyer's remorse, or ultimately what allows you to have repeat customers and referrals, and so on and so forth, man. So uh, it's a whole process to to the the overall system. Yeah, the customer satisfaction is the number one way to avoid headaches and issues down the road, and make sure everybody's happy and. Repeat business is the cheapest business you're ever going to find. So a lot of good reasons to make sure people are happy and a good fit. And you mentioned a number of ways to be qualifying leads the whole way throughout the process so that when you actually sit down and talk to somebody, they're a really good fit or the odds that they're a good fit are very high. So in this context of the the actual seminar or presentation or whatever you want to call it, how do you avoid, this is a big one, I think for a lot of people, myself included, how do you avoid death by PowerPoint? I mean, it's a big one with any kind of sales presentation today. How do you handle that? Yes. Dude, I just don't use PowerPoint. <laughs> <laughs> now, that can be intimidating for a lot of people, but I personally just, I think that PowerPoint is a crutch. Now, again, certainly it's dependent upon the product or service that you're providing. There may need to be visuals that are helpful throughout the process. But at the end of the day, they're there for you. They're there and they're not, they're not going to choose to do business with you because of your slides, right? They're going to choose to do business with you because they know you, they like you, they trust you. And that's really what it boils down to. So as much as we help people build out their presentations and maybe possibly craft a PowerPoint, the most important thing that we spend time on is how to communicate effectively. And not just even the words that we speak, again, because the words that we speak, that makes up like 7% of the actual message that we're delivering. As we were kind of chatting before this, it's like, I'm standing right now in this interview because of that, like that the physiology and even the tonality make up the other 93% of the message that's delivered. And so this is why 
you know, obviously anybody who's received a text has taken that incorrectly, right? Like I get a K from my <laughs> wife. I'm like, well, I didn't I get an okay. Like what's I put to <laughs> so we and then we just start to to you know go down that rabbit hole. But uh, that's I think just a, a huge component to it is don't be reliant on the PowerPoint. And that only comes with practice, right? That like the more reps you get, the easier it's gonna be to flow. Because as much as you wanna, you know, some people have no fear and want to get up and talk in front of people. That's great. But at the end of the day, it is still like the number one fear short of death that people have. It's like public speaking. Are you kidding me? And and I'm a prime example, man. My heck, my sophomore year of high school, I basically failed speech class and I didn't, who would have thought that this would be what what I do for a living now is speak to groups (laughs) of people, (laughs) right? But that is proof that it is a skill set that can be learned. It's not a, you're not just given that gift at birth. It's something that can be learned through practice. And, you know, anything worthwhile doing is worthwhile doing poorly at first. So if you got to be dependent on the PowerPoint at first, that's fine. But, you know, the more you practice, the less you'll have to be reliant on it. And, you know, I actually even use, if I am using a PowerPoint, I'd use that to my ability or to my advantage in that I often just skip over slides because it subconsciously I'm delivering a message and I'm so confident. I know my material so much. The audience is like, man, he doesn't need to be reliant on his PowerPoint. He's, he knows that he's been doing this you know, long enough. He really knows his stuff. So there's just little things like that. We really help to craft out in a presentation and how to use those type of tools to your actual advantage. So you do not experience that death by PowerPoint. <laughs> seen it many times. <laughs> okay, good, good. So other than death by PowerPoint or, you know, having those crutches, are there any mistakes or, or big errors or flaws that, you know, people make when they're doing a, a presentation like this where they're, you know, basically attempting to generate sales? Oh yeah, man, I, I can talk about this for days, a million that sometimes, if it's a client of ours and I'll sit in and provide feedback, it's like a service that we provide. Or if I'm just, you know, at somebody else's, it's so fun to kind of watch. It's like if you're in sales, you just love being sold stuff. Like I, I love it. I geek out to how people uh, you know, have been trained and, and how they're, you know, what their techniques are or tactics, we'll call them. But at the end of the day, from a, again, go back to just the servant mindset of this, that, that cellier root word of, of serve is... The moment that one person shows up, you're on stage. Like you are, they're watching every single move you make. And a lot of our, you know, presentations that we do is we feed a meal, we provide a meal. And I've seen so many times, man, just the way that a presenter reacts or communicates with the wait staff tells a lot about who they are. Mm. And I, I've seen people just, presenters just completely lose a room because of how they responded in regards to the away staff. Like if they came in when when they weren't instructed to and how they react to that. Like because at the end of the day, they're watching you. Are you a nice dude? Or do you yell at them because they brought the you know the food in incorrectly? And all of that is is again just part of the call it the art of creating that culture, that environment again where people just like, oh, he's a good guy. I'd like to do business with him. And because so many times I've just seen that where they'll even try to step out the room and, but really just criticize or chastise the wait staff. Because I mean, whether you're the presenter or not, 
I noticed that if you uh, do you tip well, right? Like, do you do how do you treat the weight staff? I think tells a lot about a person and just how they carry themselves in, in any manner. But that's probably one of the most, most overlooked things that a lot of presenters or, or salesmen or, or women actually don't think about with how they're creating everything that they're doing, that they're on, they're on stage, they're performing immediately the moment one person shows. And so if they were just to take that seriously, it wouldn't be a problem at all. But so many people just don't think about that. They think they're focusing on, on the room itself. Meanwhile, they can use those certain things to their favor if they actually were intentional with it. Interesting. Okay. Okay. And I noticed that the call to action at the end that you're always referring to is booking an appointment, which is, and and not run to the back of the room, which I've been to so many sales seminars, run to the back of the room and drop 20 grand on something. But in this case, you're just looking, it's a pretty low, it's like not a high commitment type of thing, but you're making a high ticket sale. So uh, I guess thoughts on that are, or, you know, mistakes people are making with the run of the back of the room method. Yeah. So obviously run to the bathroom method method has worked very well for a lot of people. Right. But the chargebacks on those things are crazy. And I just, that's just not something that I want to deal with because I truly want to provide a a product and a service that provides great value that people are going to love after the fact. And really that starts with gaining that no like and trust because it you know because there's a lot of techniques people can you know mesmerize people in front of the room and next thing you know they're home and they got a box that they don't even know what the heck is and they're frustrated where if my whole goal is to get them to know like and trust me first off the law of reciprocity comes into play again if i'm providing a dinner for them the law of reciprocity meaning hey they've showed up to an event i've bought them a dinner right? Like at the very, they're going to listen to me, of course. And so they should, I say should, because this isn't always the case, but they should at least respect the authority that, that I have of, you know, presenting in front of the room and I'm providing you a nice meal. And then again, if I've created that sense of urgency enough where what I'm providing is of value and it makes sense for us to meet sooner than later, then they'll actually, you know, we'll open up those time slots the very next day. And that then, I mean, everything that we do, man, is is measured. And we have like six measurables that we coach on from the marketing that we use to the actual confirmation call when they actually show up at the restaurant to getting the actual appointment to actually keeping that appointment to ultimately closing the sale, obviously to, you know, prove the cancellation rate or the stick rate, we call it to keep it in the positive sense. We want to measure everything there. And the reason for that is because we can control or at least coach from afar simply based on where if we view it as like a funnel of like, hey, I'm starting with X amount of call it direct mail. We do a ton of direct mail to fill our events. I send 10,000 pieces. I get 100 responses. I get 50 appointments. I get 30 people that show for the appointment and I get 15 sales and eight of them stick. Great. That's a measurable funnel that we can control. And if at any point that funnel gets a little out of whack, I know what we need to focus on as far as was it the marketing? Was it what we said in the presentation? Do we have a high cancellation rate? What can we do to affect those results long-term? And that's really how we build a, a you know, our take line essentially is a sustainable, a predictable, and then ultimately a scalable selling system. And so that's how we take, you know, how I've taken all of my companies from just one person selling to 
you know, 30, 40 people across the country in a very quick period is because not that I'm at every event, but we have a system that tracks and measures everything. And then ultimately, you know, prevents any of the buyer's remorse or the chargebacks that happen from that rah, 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 kind of rush to the back of the room concept. <laughs> well, I like that. And I like the focus on the lack of buyer's remorse and ultimately making sure people are the right fit and satisfied yeah. with whatever product or service they're engaging with on the back end. Right now, we're going to take a quick break for our sponsor. The first step to growing your wealth is tracking your wealth, income, spending, and everything else about your finances. You can start tracking your wealth for free and get six free months of wealth advisory with personal capital by going to escapingwallstreet.com and using our link. Create your free account today and automate the way you track your money. Personal capital is my preferred way to track my finances, and now we're making that available for listeners. Terms and conditions apply. See the personal capital website for details. Once again, to get the offer, go to escapingwallstreet.com and use our link. Back to the show. All right, Riley, I've got three questions I ask every guest on the show. Are you ready? I'm ready, man. Great. First one, what is the best investment you ever made other than in your education? Other than my education, I'll say investing into other people because I learned a lot of, a lot about myself, but also just to see somebody else in particular, just whether it's you know our sales rep or even some of the clients that we've had, to see the growth that that they have. There's nothing that's more rewarding to just to see the fruit in their life because I think that's true mastery is like if you can do it, that's great. But to teach somebody else how to do it and then you know equip them to be able to take that back into their own life, I think that's true mastery. And that would absolutely be the best investment that I've ever received, man. Awesome. Awesome. I love it. We had the best investment. Now we go to the other side of that coin, the worst investment. What is the worst investment you ever made? Dude, can I also say other people? <laughs> I'd like to ask you to give a specific example yeah, or or some oh, example man. as to how it went wrong. <laughs> so that was my best investment in, in my, my worst investment. Yeah, I'll give you an example. So a lot of people... A lot of people don't want to put in the work, right? It, it just it comes back to the the mindset that they they have is like you know a victor or a victim mindset, and they just expect things to happen without putting actually any work into it, right? It's like those that believe in the secret, like that whole I'm just going to manifest and think about what I want and it's going to happen. Like, cool. That that ain't how life works, though. Uh, it actually takes time. Like if I can just sit here and I'm just looking out, there's a garden outside here. Like I can think that there's no weeds in that garden. There's no weeds, there's no weeds, there's no weeds. But at the end of the day, you got to go pick the weeds. Otherwise, there's going to be weeds. And so as much as we, we could teach and invest in, as much as I want people to be successful, they got to want it themselves. And that is frustrating because then those type of people are the ones that blame you that your system didn't work. It's your fault that it didn't happen. Meanwhile, they just didn't utilize the tools that they fully had capable in front of them. But at the end of the day, it still takes them to actually do the work to make, to have it that truly manifest in their own lives. Gotcha. Okay. Okay. Makes sense. My favorite question here at the end of the show is what is the most important lesson you've learned in business and investing? Most important lesson would be to keep at it, man. If you have a system in place, I think a lot of people from a marketing standpoint, we'll call it that a lot of people, they don't go all in and they try things without the full intent of actually committing. 
And, you know, for example, our system, marketing system, it's not cheap, right? It, it takes money to fill events. But even right now, if I was to fill an event, I'm looking at like six weeks in advance. Right now, the day we say yes, plan about six weeks before that event will actually take place. So a lot of people are like, well, let's try one event. And we get up to the six weeks, what we crushed it, say, it's like, all right, well, then how we got another six weeks to wait versus actually trusting the system, trusting the process. And, and that's really what ours is. It's kind of like I equate it to going to the casino. And it's like, if you knew for every quarter that you put in, for excuse me, for every three quarters you put in, you were going to get a dollar back. Would you ever stop putting quarters in? Probably and, not, no. Uh, right? And so it's just like, keep feeding that freaking thing until it's not working, right? But a true marketer is always going to continually be at testing A, B concepts and actually getting better, but you got to keep putting the quarters in in order for that dollar to actually continue to come out. And so I think it is consistency with that and trusting the process if it's been done before. You know, if you're pioneering something, sometimes you got to just, you got to, you do have to try things out. But if you know a system, it works, success leaves clues, right? And, and if you know that system works, just trust that process and head down, stay consistent actually with it. And remain committed. I love that. I love all of that. Yeah. Riley, I want to thank you for joining us today. Thank you for all the lessons. If folks want to reach out, if they want to get in touch, if they want to learn more about social dynamics, selling or anything like that, where can they track you down? Yeah, man, I actually created a, well, I have a book that I, if you're up for it, dude, I would be more than happy to provide it as a download. Awesome. You can buy it on Amazon, of course, but if you text the word influence, so my book would be called Intentional Influence, which is really just a communication. You know, a lot of sales is involved with that, but also sales is just essentially effectively communicating. Back to what you said, like we're all in sales, but I'm selling my wife every single day why she shouldn't <laughs> leave me. Right. So right. if we just started to learn these concepts and how to communicate effectively, that's really what this book is about. So that number is 727. 727- Four seven two three eight six zero. Again, seven two seven four seven two three eight six zero. And again, if you just text the word influence, that'll be an immediate text back to you with that PDF download of that book. Awesome. Well, I may be shooting a text to that number here very shortly once we're off the call. And I want to thank you for joining us today. I want to thank everybody out there for tuning in. If you're enjoying the show, please leave us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts. Five stars if you don't mind, guys. I appreciate that so much. That helps other people learn about the show because that helps us rank higher in the Apple Podcast ecosystem. And I'm always honest with you guys, that gives me a nice little warm and fuzzy feeling because I get to see that you're engaging with the content and you're escaping the Wall Street Casino along with us. Don't forget to subscribe and catch us here every Monday, Tuesday, and Thursday. Right now, I hope you have a great rest of your day, and we'll talk to you on the next one. Bye-bye. 